I wanted the very first episode of the Nourish Soul podcast to be a special one. So I thought about who would be the perfect first guest for the show and immediately thought of my beautiful friend, Haley Kilpatrick Dozier. So Haley and I have been friends for a long time through my involvement with her nonprofit, Girl Talk Incorporated. So Girl Talk Inc., Haley started Girl Talk when she was just a sophomore in high school, and her younger sister, Kelly, was about to enter middle school, and Haley didn't want Kelly to have the same horrible experience that she had in middle school, and so Haley's mom said, well, what are you going to do about it, and Haley said, I think I'm going to start a mentoring program, so high school girls mentoring middle school girls and helping them through those middle school years, so now Girl Talk is actually a large organization, nonprofit organization with 485 chapters in 10 different countries. Um, There are chapters in 48 of the 50 states and um, it has developed into a full curriculum of leadership. So it inspires middle school and high school girls to develop their own leadership skills and also provides thousands and thousands of hours of community service every year. Um, So I wanted to have Haley on, not just because of what she's done with Girl Talk and, and her life and the work, but she is a super bright light in the world. She is just one of those people that's very warm, and loving and sees the best in people. And so I wanted to have her on the show. And in this episode, she actually opens up and talks about her personal life. I actually learned some things that I didn't know about her health and her journey with Crohn's. So um, she talks a little bit too about what she finds nourishing to her soul as she tries to give back and serve. So hopefully you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Haley. Well, thank you for being the very first guest on my new ep- um, my new podcast, right? The very first episode, I was like, well, the first episode needs to be special. And Pace and I were talking and I was like, I know who it needs to be. It's got to be Haley because you are such a bright light and I'm going to choke up in my life and you're a bright light in the world and I want to interview bright lights. So it was a no brainer for me. So I'm so excited. This is a new passion project and I'm thrilled to be able to do it. So, so we're talking all things that nourish our body, mind, and soul and because you are some, my favorite thing about you, Haley, one of my favorite things, there are many things that I adore about you, but one of my favorite things is that you are a true champion of humans. Like you are such a cheerleader of people. And I, I really admire that. Um, and I don't know, did you, were you always like that? Or have you purposely consciously developed that in yourself? Um, so first of all, like I was not expecting to be on the receiving end here, but, um, but just thank you for allowing me to be your first guest. I learn from you daily. 
um, I hope to contribute here. Um, and you too are such a bright light and I hope together our time together will um, help people with what our, with just our combined knowledge and passion for learning and, and just um, aspirations for health and happiness. Um, I think I was born, what I've now learned is a, 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 as a highly sensitive person. So to answer your question, um, I think just definitely more in tune or more sensitive to the needs of others. Mm -hmm. uh, but I definitely think examples in my life, um, my mom, a smaller hometown of people rallying around other people, how to bridge gaps. Um, my mom seeing an entitled teenage version of me um, thinking that um, you know, slipping into the materialistic abyss that is middle and will end making bold moves to correct that, dropping me off at the Lions Literacy Center and saying, call me when you found someone you can help. <laughs> um, all of those things, you know, have shaped me into, um, I've never been called a champion of humans, but just to really um, my best, be an encourager, uh, because I've also had people be that for me. And, and I wholeheartedly mean that you, you and your family have certainly been that in my life. Yeah, you know, though, I feel like you're somebody who really does see the best in people. Like I, and I, yeah, I think that that's kind of, I think that just must be God given to, to be honest of being able to just see the best in, in other people. Mm, I appreciate that. I, um, you could only hope that people would, would give you this, you know, give us the same benefit of the doubt. I think the alternative is unfortunate. I don't know that I've known any different. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're, yeah. I think you're just, just kind of like this, but yes, some of the experiences that you've had and the parenting that you had, um, shaped who you are. And so because you give so much to other people, I'm just curious about what are the things that really nourish your soul, body, mind, and soul really? Where do you, it's how do you fill up your cup? <laughs> it's definitely, I think that's going to be a lifelong learning lesson um, for, for me. Um, I, I definitely have learned the importance of, of community of like-minded people, um, quality time with people. I definitely a bit more introverted, but, um, but when I get quality time, where I can dive in and have deeper, meaningful conversations. Um, you feel validated. You feel less alone in the crazy world <laughs> that we uh, you feel encouraged. Um, so I think that's a huge part of what I'm learning to prioritize. And if we take that a little bit deeper, mm -hmm. um, I had to learn, I had to kind of step back at my life a few years ago and realize that, and, and I, I hope this comes across, but I've promised full, full transparency and authenticity here, um, that the people who I was spending the most time with or supporting actually had chosen me um, as a part of their life. So um, I wasn't actively, I think because I was steeped in, in work and purpose and um, a healthy relationship with my husband, we, I just, I wasn't being intentional about the who I wanted to be in my life and specifically friendships, um, 
not so much on the personal, I mean, on the professional side, but doing a deeper dive of the people I'm spending most time with, I'm, I'm doing the pouring into, to your, to your point, you know, I'm pouring into and, um, and friendships are meant to be reciprocal and, um, to love for and care for. And while it seems ironic with, um, with what the nonprofit work we both done, um, in girls, girls, I thought I was being an extension of the mission, but I really wasn't being intentional about these are the people, um, that I want in my life. And it's not that I didn't want the people who were in my life, in my life. It just wasn't a balance of people who were going to show up for me and the way I was showing up for them. And when I gave myself permission to, yeah, to seek that out and to be brave, honestly, and vulnerable and put myself out there with those people, um, that was really the game changing, um, shift for me when it comes to people, if we're taking that deeper, but I think there are so many facets that you and I both know to just the human experience and healthy choices, um, are just as important as healthy relationships, um, going through the process of stripping things away and learning to love who we are, our most, um, you know, the brokenness that is all of us accepting that, honoring that, healing that it's, it will be a lifelong process for me to learn, but I, I do, you know, just like, um, many people struggle with anxiety, depression, purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to disarm that in this conversation that a lot of times the biggest anecdote to, um, darker or more challenging seasons has been serving and encouraging and how to do that in a healthy way, um, has been the hardest lesson to learn. (laughs) Right. So that it's so that you're getting poured into as much as you're getting, as you're pouring out. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I know, you know, I did want to touch on your health journey, just because I think your journey with Crohn's is really miraculous, frankly, and what you've been able to do with your own health, but you know, you've always been so positive and you don't look like you're all those years that you were suffering so much. You didn't look like that. And I think, um, and you had all these people around you and yes, it all looked really, really good, but you were also suffering in, in that space and, and probably still have some pain and suffering in ways, but but I thought maybe we would talk a little bit specifically about your health journey. Cause I think that might be really helpful for people. I would, I would love the opportunity to share more about that because you do find purpose in your, in your suffering and not that we all have to do that. But if, if any bit of this story helps to encourage anyone, especially with autoimmune or mental health that you can't see, there are no outside visible cues for people to see that you were hurting or you were suffering. Right. Um, and for me, I know my mental, my mental health is so directly tied to my, my gut health. So my years of suffering with Crohn's, yeah. um, I now under better understand my struggle with anxiety and depression and how important it is to make lifestyle changes and decisions that, that support both of those for the rest of my life. So, um, in, 2010, I was, um, I was diagnosed with what was 
what, what was diagnosed as Crohn's, Crohn's disease. And it was um, specifically attacking my ileum um, and caused a lot of chronic inflammation and pain. Um, but it was early in the treatment arena for Crohn's. A lot of the treatment, the treatment protocol was steroids, prednisone. Let's just, let's just decrease the inflammation and see how your body does. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the diagnosis came as a shock. Uh, the symptoms had been present for, um, and increasingly present, um, a year prior to diagnosis, um, inflammation began kind of creeping all the way up to my esophagus. And I remember, um, it was Easter weekend in 2010 and I went to take a sip of water and I just felt deep inflammation back in my throat. So, um, ended up in the ER and through, um, CT scan that was, I left with this big, bold diagnosis. Um, the pain, the suffering, the flares, as they call it, or anyone with autoimmune would, um, the flares, um, I had a, a really rough five years mm-hmm. and, um, 2012 was my most difficult year. And it was where, um, medicine shifted kind of to the opinion of a, a biologic approach. So suppressing the immune system, so it wouldn't attack itself. And the reason I share that was because as two health conscious people, you and I, who would love to avoid, um, pharmaceuticals and, uh, you know, anything prescription as much as possible. It was such a lesson in, in surrender. I went from treating with steroids to my body forming fistulas, which are little tunnels off of my ileum and coming out externally to my body. Um, nerve pain, joint pain. I had symptoms. I would learn of these autoimmune issues through commercials when I was at home. So I had symptoms of, um, rheumatoid arthritis, um, joint pain. And then I also had nerve pain and it would be sporadic. None of these were together or consistent, but I would have symptoms like fibromyalgia. So at any given day, I could be fine and, and feeling like myself to the next day, my seatbelt ponytail would bother me just sensory nightmare, um, to the next day, like this joint, my, on my finger, my pointer finger would be swollen and inflamed and red. And so would my like left knee. Um, then, you know, flash forward a few months, I would have fistulas. I would look and there would be an external tract opening on my abdomen. So very physical for me, the first real physical sign that I was suffering and I was not well, um, that I could actually show someone it was, it was a weird relationship with, with that, but it was like, look, I really am sick. You may not be able to see this one joint, you know, you can see it's a little bit red, but here, this is something actually happening on my body. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think the psychological toll, you kind of shift a fight or flight, like what decisions do I need to make? What lifestyle changes do I need to make? What what needs to give? Um, I stayed really positive. Um, I, I really didn't for a long time. Um, anytime people said, how can you, how can I help? Mm-hmm. I remember, um, specifically asking people, will you pray for my healing? We pray for my healing. I just want to be healed. I do not feel like this is part of my path. We pray, we pray just, I want to be healed. I believe it. And, um, there were some really sad just dark weeks that would come and go. And is this my life? 
Will my life be shortened? Will I be able to have children? Um, are surgeries imminent? Removing parts of my intestines imminent? A colostomy bag was explored with the reoccurring fistula. There were a lot of unknowns. And I think it's really important that we just highlight anyone listening who suffers with autoimmune. It yeah. really is invisible to the public, but you, you have this inner suffering Yes, physical pain, but the mental toll that it takes, the, the, the things that we can tell ourselves on repeat. And I think my positive shift happened mm-hmm. when um, I, did, I did shift to an opt to start taking this biologic drug. Um, and while my symptoms subsided, my anxiety went through the roof. Right. If you anyone wants to watch a commercial on Humira and it tell you about the risk of, you know, lymphoma and cancers. And you're like, what am I doing? And you feel like you're in this cycle of, do I have choices? Do I even have energy to reclaim my health? And it, it is this just really difficult cycle. And Humira was a constant, the flares would come and go, but taking the Humira was every two weeks injections in my abdomen. And I was making that choice. Um, and Paul, I wanted to start our family and there were so many unknowns around that, but the shift really happened when I realized I did not want to live that anxious all the time. And I did not have peace about this medication. Um, and, um, a few months after making the decision to, um, to start our family, we, we had our first miscarriage and it was a humbling reminder of how important it is to, to, to be mentally. So, um, so we, I allowed myself to grieve, um, and kind of the unknowns is a pregnancy healthy. Should I be on the marriage during pregnancy? Um, et cetera. <laughs> we'll, won't, right. won't bore you with all of that, but, um, uh, about nine months later, um, we found a net and um grace was born in march 2015 i was on humera that entire pregnancy um the last three months i was on bed high blood pressure there were issues around um um yeah medication pregnancy i had a c-section and it was my time with um, being on bed rest i read um article after article of after article about um what sometimes can trigger autoimmune disease so um, parts to the mental shift, I think looking at this beautiful baby girl and realizing I had, I had some big choices to make. Um, and then secondly, and I haven't talked about this for so long, so I'm probably going to cry, but um, like just wholeheartedly surrendering mm-hmm. if this was my path. Right. Um, I knew I wanted to come off of Humira, but if the path that was the past five years is what was for me. If that was what God had for me that I needed to surrender. And it was this very uncharacteristic surrender for my personality, but almost just saying, God, if I'm meant to live with Crohn's, my commitment to you is I will be the best crony. And that was what the little (laughs) websites had called it. I will be the best crony you ever created. And I want to step into that boldly. And I will, I will accept this. I will stop fighting it. I'll stop trying to control it. Um, 
your, your will, not mine. And I stopped asking people to pray for my healing Mm -hmm. and I came off of Humira and, um, a a little article found me. Um, it was Dr. Mercola article um, on the dangers of a root canal. And I explored that further and realized that I'd had a root canal, um, about, I think it was 13 or 14 months before my Crohn's diagnosis. So that would mean some of my symptoms started within two months of having a root canal on tooth number 30 on the right side. Um, and took all of the, the measures to see if this could potentially be causing some chronic inflammation in my body. And, um, yeah, the short is, uh, there was infection in my jaw from this root canal the tooth was extracted. I had bone graft and within four hours of the surgery, I was, I did not have any, um, I just, I, I just had an anti-inflammatory in my body, but within four hours, uh, my mom was like, what's going on with you? And I described it as, you know, I feel like every cell in my body is saying, thank you. I can't explain it, yeah. but I feel like every cell in my body is saying, thank you. And, um, since December, 2015, mm-hmm. I've been medication free. Um, I think you, uh, you mentioned earlier, Kelly there, you know, there are still s- struggles. There are still some, some, some residual there from this journey and I'm happy to share more, but, um, but I think there's a couple of takeaways there, just the surrender, mm-hmm. um, for those of us who are experiencing or have experienced autoimmune, um, grace and freedom to honor. This is where you are. Um, also the importance of community and being able to share these struggles, uh, it would have been game changing for me instead of in just keeping it, um, you know, kind of amongst me, my mom, um, disarming it a bit. And then, uh, I think more importantly, really listening to your mind and deciding, you know, at what cost are you willing to make certain decisions? So there's different choices for different people. But for me, um, I wanted, I wanted to, um, to not be on this medication. So um, there are many lifestyle changes, which you and I can talk, you and I can talk about, and you've helped me so much with that involve diet and sunshine, and um, just trying to experience joy in the tiniest of ways. And yet those are the biggest ways ways to just stay committed to this healthier lifestyle, because it is, it has always been a gift, but when you, when it's been taken from you, you, you don't take one day of not hurting for granted. Right. And now you feel really good. Most of the time, most of the time, really, really good. Yeah. And have a second baby. (laughs) Yes. We were blessed with yeah, <laughs> she turns yeah. four, four on Saturday. I can't yeah. believe it. Wow. Um, but yeah, a very healthy pregnancy, also medication free, and um, yeah, very grateful for that opportunity as well. Yeah, and I know you know you're very. Um, I want to use the word disciplined because I can't think of a. I don't know if you would use a different word, but you really committed to a healthy lifestyle, but of balance, so you don't get all freaked out, you know, of course, gluten, you don't touch gluten ever, right? No gluten for me ever again since 2009. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an easy one. Once you realize like 
how, how much it inflames you and <laughs> is a problem, which can take a little while, but for, but you also just, um, embrace some freedom around food, but do you want to talk about that at all about diet and lifestyle? I, I think that would be helpful for people to know what you've done to heal your body. I think it's really important for us to talk about. Um, I come from a nonprofit background with middle and high school girls, and I've seen girls struggle with eating disorders, with dysmorphia. So I think I bring mm-hmm. a heightened sensitivity to the decisions that I make. And then um, ironically, I was gifted two, two daughters, Paul and I were. So I have to, I feel like I have to be very calm. Con- very aware, very, make very conscious decisions in how I communicate why I do what I do and make sure our, the girls understand that and have freedom to make decisions for themselves. Right. Um, the biggest um, and longest term, I guess, change that I made, as we mentioned, was gluten-free. And just, um, I know that's not for everyone. I was chronically inflamed. So this was pre-diagnosis of Crohn's. Um, it, my it just, it helped with inflammation in my digestive tract. Um, but I had unexpected benefits. I lifelong eczema struggler. Um, I'd had asthma and acne and, um, being gluten-free proved all three of those. Um, it took, you know, I didn't start to see those changes until months in to your point. Sometimes it takes time, but I just knew I felt better. Um, and that's my specific body and that's a choice that I've made and I, um, I feel better and I don't, don't plan on ever adding it back into my, my particular diet. Um, the other things that are super important, um, my body does not like alcohol. Um, so you and I talk about sober living, (laughs) um, that is one that is inflammatory for my body and it doesn't, um, it just, I don't feel well when I consume alcohol. Mm -hmm. So um, hydrating, learning the importance of drinking way more water than I have historically in my life has been game changing. I think, um, staying hydrated, it's not easy when you're doing carpool with little people and you do hydrate a lot and in a COVID environment, masking people up to run in and TT all the time, but the benefits beyond that are, uh, are worth it. So, um, you know, anywhere between, I aim for a minimum of 64 ounces, but sometimes up to hundred ounces of water a day and that's game changing. But in specifically with my diet, um, I too am sugar sober. Um, I hope you can talk a little bit about that on the, the podcast here. Ooh, yeah. Um, that's a big part of my courage to accept, um, accept my struggle with sugar and make that decision came from you. And then I think also the permission around alcohol, like it's so socially and widely did, but it, it really served no good in my life. Um, and so, you know, and taking that a step further, it's really allowed me to have deeper conversations with our girls. Um, our oldest daughter struggles with some learning differences. And we learned that really minimizing um, sugar and inflammatory foods is best for her brain. And so when she approaches it from that perspective, it's not an all or nothing. We give her freedom and we don't tell her not to get a birthday party, but she already associates it with feeling better and thinking more clearly. And, um, and that's something that she can 
she can take and do with what, what she wants, but she gets to see this example. Those are the biggest, um, I would say those are the biggest choices that I make. I personally feel better on a ketosis diet. So yeah. I've already eliminated gluten years ago right. and I'm sugar free. So a large part, so most of my diet comes from, from fats. <laughs> so, so yes. And that has been, I don't know how my body would have handled that in from the 2010 to 2015. Right. Um, I didn't have the knowledge that I now have, but I do have that. And um, in the spirit of full transparency, you helped um, me from a nutritional standpoint with amino acids all throughout throughout COVID, um, when I was really struggling with motivation drive, I was just, I was completely overwhelmed with two kids, virtual learning, um, you know, and, 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 and struggling there. And I think you really shined your light over here in a big way, but helped me see that diet directly impacts, um, our mental health. And I think that just if we can advocate and spend a little bit of time, you and I talking about that, even the changes that you've made, um, you and I've really learned this is actually really simple. It's eliminating things, but um, but it's also body movement, hydration, getting sunrise, you know, experiencing the sunrise, sunshine during the day, the sunset, our circadian rhythm, and just really leaning into this really is simple. Um, and if we can really be willing to peel back some of those layers and make these changes. Um, it not only helps us, but it helps us be better for me, a better wife, a better mom, a better employee, um, and a better leader and friend. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think any of us really, when we're putting a lot of junk and we don't even mean to, it's just, it's all around us and we're not hydrating and we're not in the sun because of well, I don't know life. I don't remember seeing the sun rise or set really through all of my child, my children's younger years. <laughs> I'm sure I saw some, but I don't, I can't, not consciously. And so I don't think that people realize the impact and it is really simple, um, but not necessarily easy. Um, it gets easy. It just gets to be a part of what you do. Like my sunrise. I mean, I just don't miss one. I just don't. Um, but I remember a time when that would have felt really challenging. So I think to just give people permission that might be listening, if it takes a while, it takes a while. You and I have been, you were a rock star when you came to me with, you know, saying, hey, is there anything I can maybe do for some of this anxiety that's kicking up? And I'm like, well, let's try some amino acids and see if it gets you through a few months or a hump here. And, but you were already kind of a, rock star with your no sugar. I mean, you were eating really, really well and you brought me on paper. Well, on the paper paper. A hot mess. oh, well, you know, <laughs> I think most of us feel like a hot mess though. A lot I of, agree. a lot of the time. And we just don't realize that it, we're probably doing things that are actually good for us, but we're not noticing. And there are some simple things that we could add that would help us feel a lot better more of the time. So, you Great know, morning. and I do think people are surprised when they do commit to a few things, getting some junk out and putting some good things in, they're really surprised at how much their mental health is related to their food. And quick.
quickly, like how quickly you right. feel the rewards of that. And it, it makes you want to keep moving forward. It's not something that takes months. I mean, you very quickly can feel an improvement. Yeah, I think so. Especially with when you add the aminos to help support, that can be really game-changing. That could be life-saving for a lot of people just to learn because, you know, your catechol, you were just deficient in the support around your catecholamines. So dopamine, norepinephrine, epinephrine. And so that, and usually people are looking for sugar or caffeine or some alcohol, some kind of way, um, but as a stimulant, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you take those out, you sometimes need help as you bridge the gap there. And that's, that's where amino acids can come in and be really helpful for people. So yeah. That year of COVID though, and having your wise counsel, I didn't even know about amino acid therapy. So doing a deeper dive and for people who are listening and who, who want to learn more, it really, um, it was a game changer. It took a few weeks for my body to really settle in and calm down as we you know, rode out an election and a pandemic, us navigating for the first time, these new norms, um, seeing a lot of suffering around us, being highly sensitive. I, I, my body and mind just, I mean, if anything, I was so anxious that I was shut down and I was like, I don't know how to put one foot in front of another. So to have a friend in you, to have a counselor in you, to be able to say like, I'm struggling and you genuinely asked and wanted the answer too, but here are some things you can do to help. And I think it's also really important, Kelly, that we share, these are really inexpensive solutions. Oh, right. Um, the cost of amino acids, I mean, I think all in by the time I purchased um, three or four different supplements and I upped my omega, my like omegas, it, I was probably all in for like $45. And these were huge bottles, like, like. 90 to 120 capsules. Um, so it is something that is economical to just try um, and see if it works. Especially in comparison to all the medications and the doctor visits and all of that, it does make sense. But even like just talking about people are sometimes afraid that their um, grocery bill is going to go up, but I have actually not found that in, in cutting, cutting the sugar and the the processed stuff and getting fresh, real, real food. I, I don't, I don't know if you've experienced, but it, my bill hasn't gone up and the sun is free. Walking yes. outside is free. Like there's a lot, free. yeah, it, there's a lot that's pretty free or close to free. Um, it just takes, it, it just takes a commitment though. Like once you commit, you're in most people I find once they commit, they're in. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think that so much of what we've talked about is even if you can commit to making one change, yes. experiencing the benefit adding a second or a third, because it can feel overwhelming um, for very various reasons or seasons of our lives um, when it comes to margin. But for me, it started during the pandemic with aminos, mm -hmm. um, amino acid therapy is what I should say, and then putting on my shoes and getting out, getting sunshine and moving my body. And we have some hills in my neighborhood and a little one mile loop was incredibly challenging for me. It should not have been that challenging. I should not have been that, um, just that, 
that behind, but it took a few months and I was like, I'm going to hydrate mm-hmm. and get out and move my body. If it's not raining and I'm going to commit to my aminos. And that shifted my mental health and my physical health enough to have the margin or the bandwidth to add in other changes. And I think that if you can just give yourself just a little bit, like just some little wins right out of the gate, it will be enough courage, um, give you enough motivation and courage to make other changes. Right. I think you're right. Like to have some motivation helps. I think too, you might be able to speak to this, you know, when, how important it is to kind of, to see it, to see yourself well, so that you can build the bridge. And I kind of, I like the, the image of a bridge, right? Building the bridge. But I also, I have found in my experience that the courage to take a step in the direction towards whatever feels the vision of you as well and whole and grounded and clear and whatever that is for you, the vision, if you can hold the vision it's, and take a step, have the courage to take a step, the path rises to meet you. So you're building the bridge, but it really isn't building. It's, it's rising. Yeah. And the next step, and then the next step, it kind of comes to you. But if you don't hold that vision, it's more challenging. I find that people have a hard time holding the vision when they feel awful. Like, how do you visualize yourself? Well, when you feel terrible or you have, you know, officials growing out of your skin or whatever's. Yeah. I I love the visual though, of you describing that and almost the the bridge, like the, almost the planks running up to meet you when you, when you can, when you can hold that, there was absolutely a season where I could not do that. I was exhausted and like not to cry again. But like where I would have to prioritize a shower or blow drying my hair and getting dressed from a fatigue standpoint. Um, so holding a vision of me well felt just, I, I, it wasn't even on the table, but I will tell you that act of surrender okay. led me to that place where I could then, like, it was like, I laid it all down and then I could I eventually got to the place where I could hold that vision. So if there's any a vision of myself healed and well, um, but I will tell you that act of surrender, I found more freedom and that's my personality. I mean, I want to problem solve and patch and, you know, and do whatever I can, but it was that act of surrender that really, um, mm-hmm. I think led to this, made this healthier version possible. And now I, I fight for her. I fight for that, you know, in all these decisions, you and I both do that we make for ourselves and inadvertently our families, but like that healed, happy, whole Haley, like I fight for her. I I show up for her. And, and it's not that I have all the solutions, but I've never thought of it the way you just described it, where it's almost like it rises up to us. The path is for us. Um, I didn't just do a bunch of research and decide to eliminate this or that. It was like, I began to feel better. And so as these decisions, mm-hmm. um, you know, it wasn't a decision. It was like, as these, um, healthy shifts happened, it was almost, they made sense because I was so in tune with my body. I knew how they made me feel and they weren't for me. So it became just like, almost like not even a conscious decision to just let them go, you know, not make their way into my diet. <laughs> 
Right. And I think, yeah, so I'm hearing the surrender part. I get it. And I think some people may use the word acceptance, like radical Mm, acceptance, uh, surrender, whatever that looks like. I also think there just has to be some faith to take Mm. some courage, you know, whatever people want to say, to take a step. Like it may, it may even be what feels like eventually a wrong step. I don't know that there are wrong steps, but if you're just taking a step to try and heal your body and to get the support that you need, then I feel like the the path will rise to meet you. Um, Yeah. But I, but I I hear you with the surrender and laying it all down and just how tough. Who's the hardest? control but I think you're right there are yeah I think there are you're right though there are people out there who are sick and they're like I don't even know where to where to start and yeah I think that acceptance and just making a commitment for one one step in the right direction and right one step and then that little board I think the the next board the next board will start to bridge itself where you it will it will be natural for you to vision your yourself healthy and healed you'll be able to hold that yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like values, like your core values play into this at all? Because I think, you know, sometimes when it's hard to hold a vision or you can hold a vision of yourself whole healed, you know, um, well, then h- how to make decisions along the way. And I'm just curious about your thoughts. If you think your, your core values help in that. Hmm the answer I want to give you but if I'm really if I really yeah no I just you know, want you to be honest yeah like I mean there's the like like performance based like oh of course you know but really I almost think my core values um sometimes are at war with that like if I'm mm-hmm. and not to make it complicated here but like I had to learn to trust myself again after the autoimmune struggle, oh, yeah. like I had to learn to follow through on like basic commitments, yeah. hygiene and tending to our house. And, and like, like today I feel well. So I, I, I actually do have energy shower, blow dry my hair, get dressed, do laundry, fold laundry, clean out my car. Like I just, there were, I had to like learn to trust myself again. And then I think, I think from there, it was in those small little ways. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to spend this time being grateful and reflecting. And I was able to add things into, um, into kind of my routine and learning to trust myself, but my, my core values, uh, I don't think those have wavered throughout my life, but I, I have tendencies within that, you know, I have tendencies to, um, perfectionist in me, you know, the control in me can really, Oh, that's where I'm saying it can kind of, I can almost be at war. (laughs) I can almost be at war with myself. Um, when, especially when you're not your best self and when you are, yes, you can step in and honor why you're doing your, why, like my, why, you know, that can absolutely, and is my driver. But I think it's really important if I step back and say it, it took a while. There were some serious overcoming before I could even get to that point to just with basic things to learn, to trust that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to follow through. Right. And I'm just going to throw it out there and maybe trust is actually 
a value. For sure. Um, and consistency. So I read something <laughs> recently that I thought was really fascinating because I, I work so much with anxiety and depression too, but a yeah. lot of anxious people. And it said, you know, and I'm always talking about calm, peace, grounded, like we, what we think as the opposite of anxiety. When, and this person, um, this writer put it out there, I think the opposite of anxiety is actually trust. And I went, oh, mm. like it was a draw job, a jaw oh, dropper for yep. me. And I've been putting it out there to mm. clients in my group and saying, what do we think about this? Because truly when we're talking about surrender and acceptance and find, you know, vision for yourself well and all that takes trust. I think it takes, no. you know, um, some other things too, but yeah. Well, no, I mean, that? there's, I mean, I'm like, my drop. I mean, that's, I mean, if you really think about it, we're talking about biggest step was surrender and then like learning to trust myself again. And in the midst of that more so and symptoms when I was trying to eat, it was just this overwhelming anxiety. Um, and so I, that's, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to camp on that, but there is, yes, the antidote to, to, um, to anxiety. I mean, it is, I mean, we talk about, we're not meant to, to live a life in fear and rehearse worst case scenarios happening over in our minds. We're what we should be rehearsing is this vision we see of ourselves, you know, and heal and, and what we should do to live. We get this one precious short life. And how do we, how do we experience that in a way that um, not only do we feel, but we're able to utilize all of our gifts. Like when I look back on my life, I want to know that, yes, there were some hiccups along the way, but I able to um, seek wisdom and pivot and not leave anything on the table with the gifts that I feel that God gave me. Right. Yeah. Well, amen, I guess <laughs> to that, but I also... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I just, do you, I know it's hard for people. So I think it's important for people to hear us say that you deserve to feel good. I mean, when you were going through all that, um, did you ever think you would feel this good at, at some point? I, I hate to admit this, but no, right. I didn't. Right. I, I hoped I was my far out, like just I, I didn't lose hope that it could be, but in no. And so I think that's why there, I have such sense of obligation to utilize a day where you wake up and you, you feel good, you know, um, and feeling good physically and mentally are two different ball games for me. And I like when they're, they are the same ball game and they both are doing great. But I think because of there are times where I'm feeling great, my body but I'm struggling mentally. And I think being able to admit that um, and then, you know, kind of do, when I, when I am feeling, feeling well, but my, my mind or my brain wants to trip me up um, to have the resources, to have the, the, the community and the knowledge to, to pivot is huge. So um, I want to be super transparent in that. It's not like heal, boom, like I've been medication free from Crohn's and my mentally thrilled if you you know if we're following the timeline there was like five years of autoimmune and then COVID was 2020 
Um, and I should back up. I had some pretty intense postpartum anxiety with my second in right. 2018 and then right. 2020 did yeah, you really helped me walk through um, that full year of amino acid therapy. So it's, it's, it's this ongoing, um, me and it's, and it's not this, it is they're They're related undoubtedly our gut health, our mental health, but there are times where I feel really good, but my mind says you shouldn't get out of bed today, or I feel so overwhelmed or right by the smallest of things that I'm paralyzed by that. And I have to have the coping skills to break that down and push forward and advocate for the healthiest um, life and version of myself. Right. And I think, you know, we can kind of wrap up that with that, like any other thoughts about what are those coping skills? Cause you and I could probably do a whole nother whole talk on, (laughs) we could just sit here and talk for another hour about, you know, all the the tools, but if you had kind of your top tools that, you know, you go to so that when you, you are so aware now, and I think that that takes some time too, but when you're so aware, like, oh, I'm going in the wrong direction Mm -hmm. here. I'm in the fear. We're going down. Um, Like what are your go-tos that help pivot? Yes. So um, (laughs) sunshine is huge. Sunshine. Getting up and seeing the sunrise. Um, I cannot put enough emphasis on what a game changer that it's been in my my mental health. And I think inadvertently my my physical health, but we just don't talk about it enough. That alone, we could have a separate session on. (laughs) Good. Because Um, that was, that's been a huge, that's a piece I didn't even have till you brought me to the, the teacher of that. And I was like, oh, this is a game changer. So yes, you yeah. the sun. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sun. I mean, that is huge. Um, if I do, if I'm feeling anxious or I'll, you know, it'll just start to be heart racing fast. And I start thinking worst case scenario, if I can chug like 16 ounces of water right away and I do breathing, I mean, you, you have a YouTube video on it and it's, is it, I'm making sure I get this right. Is it, is it four, six, eight? four, seven, eight, but it, it doesn't matter. Seven, eight. Um, but I'll do some deep breathing and get oxygen going, like just flowing through my body and drink some water. And I know that sounds so basic, but I think the most important message that you and I both want to echo to people is these things do not cost money and they are sunrise, water, breathing. Yeah. And like, think about, and let me just say about the breathing since we just mentioned it. So what's important, because people always are like, oh, I can't remember the numbers. Don't worry about the numbers. <laughs> Take a deep breath in, whatever is deep enough that feels comfortable for you, but exhale longer than you inhale. Mm-hmm. Just hold it for a few mm-hmm. seconds in between because it's the exhaling longer than the inhale that tells your body, like, it's all right. Nothing's chasing us. Let's chill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It works. I mean, I... The video when Kate was an infant is when you, when you're, when you, when I put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that was, that is good. And I can do that in carpool whenever, I mean, like these are things I can chug my water. I can get some vitamin D and I can breathe. So those are like my, I would say my three, like go-tos. And then if I'm sensing that I'm becoming anxious before I'd eliminated, um, sugar, um, drawing attention to like caffeine or sugar. Um, if anyone, you know, for people who do consume caffeine or sugar, just that's a, that's a nice little thing to kind of tweak. 
but I, um, I think more than anything, I, it's important Mm -hmm. for me on your first, um, nurse soul podcast to thank, to thank you, Kelly. Um, thank you for boldly leaning into your gifts to not being, um, afraid to pivot, to learn, to grow, to share, to be so benevolent with your time and resources in my life. Um, my life is better for you being in it, just you, Kelly, as a human, but then your ability to be a listener, a counselor, just a seeker of knowledge and, and pouring that into me. Um, I see the fruit of that in my marriage, in my parenting, um, and I'm excited to continue to learn and grow. So just thank you for this platform. Thank you for being bold, for sharing, for starting it. And um, I'm just proud to be your hype girl, proud to be in your corner. Oh, you're making me cry. Um, So yeah, I just, yeah, you know, I feel the same way. I mean, you are such a bright light in my life. And I know that you're a bright light in tons of people's lives, but you know, and for your girls, I mean, well, you know how I feel about the girls too. That was the only thing I really wanted on my 50th birthday is to come hang out with the girls for a little bit. Um, Such have a gift. sunshine and be outside and be with the girls. So, um, yeah, so I am so grateful to you and I'm grateful that you're the first interview <laughs> for the nurse soul podcast. I think, um, I'm hoping that it will be inspirational and help people realize that they too deserve to feel good and that they can do this. They can absolutely do this. So, and it's simpler than they think. You just have to make that one change just today, make one shift just today. And you learn in recovery, any kind of recovery, not drugs, alcohol and stuff, but any recovery, there's always day one and that's okay. And if you have 5,000 day ones, that's all right. You just, day one. Yeah. It, it's so important. Well, just thank you for, um, for believing, for thinking of me as a bright light and all the brokenness I've shared. Um, we all deserve friends like you and community like you. And that's, that's what I've told you. I've learned to be the most here is to, um, to have people who love you and love you in the valleys, the mountaintops, broken, whole, happy, not happy. And you're a a beautiful example of that. So thank you. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I think the fact that we're always like, look at this, check this out. This isn't, you know, that, um, to have friends that bring you to new ways of thinking and healing. I mean, that, I think that that's really, um, that pours into me, you know? So Mm -hmm. as much as I enjoy helping you, which you haven't needed a lot of help, but I've, oh, yeah. you yes, ma'am. but we lead each other to, to, you know, new information. And I think that's really what it's about. So if people are listening, find some people that, that lead yes. you, find yourself a friend who will, yeah, help you level up and tell you to watch the sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> level up. Yeah. 